All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another conversation, uh, pardon me, another episode of Courageous Conversations. There we go. Uh, today, I am joined by Dr. Carlin um, Borisenko. Did I say the name right? Perfectly. Yep. Perfect. All right. Um, she is going to be talking to us about how the American political left can do better. And what's fascinating about this conversation is that Carlin used to identify as a Democrat and has since changed her stance. I think you consider yourself in the center now, but you're supportive of Donald Trump. So, you know, to a lot of people on the left, you're right winged in their mind, even if you're not in reality, right? You appear that way to them on the outside. Well, everyone to the left of Mao or the, to the right of Mao, yeah, to the to the right of Mao is is right wing in their eyes now. So yeah. <laughs> for some people for sure. So she's gonna be talking to us about, you know, why it was she left the Democratic Democratic Party, right? And then also some of her experiences with people on the left after she left the Democratic Party, and, and hopefully be able to shed some light on how we on the left, and I say we because I'm a leftist progressive myself, can, can do better in the way we interact with people, the way we present ourselves. Um, what I have found is that oftentimes people who are your supporters have the same blind spots you have. And as much as it's great to have them cheering you on, sometimes your critics and your quote unquote enemies can provide some of the most important feedback because they have a view on your weaknesses and your, you know, the flaws in your thinking, right? That maybe you don't have. So as much as it's hard to talk to someone who's a critic of yours or an enemy or on the other side, sometimes their perspective is actually really valuable. So in this conversation, I imagine it'll be kind of hard for me and certainly a lot of listeners to hear what Dr. Carlin here has to say, but there's going to be, I guarantee you, an important element of truth through it. Even if I don't agree with everything she says, there's an important element of truth to it. And if myself and others on the left want to do better and want to be better, it's important that we listen to criticisms and implement what, some of what we hear, right? So this will be an interesting conversation to say the least. Um, I think to start things off, Carlin, could you talk about why it was you left the Democratic Party to begin with? Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, it was kind of a perfect storm of woke descended into my life, um, where I'm an organizational psychologist, I do organizational training and corporate training, stuff like that. Um, or I did before I got canceled by them three different times. But um, so I started seeing like these, uh, this idea of like microaggressions appearing in the workplace. Now microaggressions are completely a made up thing. The only person that provides any resource to re research to support the idea of microaggressions is the person who coined the term who makes 1000s of dollars doing training based off them. All the other research around microaggressions basically points to these are not real things. And so that started happening. And then um, at the same time, a lot of my friends started speaking um, anti-racist language. And I had no idea what they were talking about because anti-racist language is not, they, they take definitions and they change them. And so all of a sudden, all of my white friends were saying, Carlin, shut up and listen to black people. And I was like, what in the holy hell are you talking about? Like the only way that you can, that you can understand someone is by having conversations with them. And so while I was completely open to hearing about the experiences of minorities in this country, that the methods they went about it were completely and totally off-putting. Um, and then at the same time, there was something uh, that was going on in the knitting community. So I'm a knitter. Um, the online right. knitting community is a very, very progressive place. And uh, what started happening was roving mobs of social justice warriors were starting to bully and mob people in the knitting community to the point where one person was mobbed so badly that he ended up in the hospital on suicide watch. And at some point it occurred to me that 
these were people that I had politically aligned myself with. I was a Democrat for 20 years. I grew up in Vermont. I voted for Bernie Sanders in every election that I could vote for Bernie Sanders in. Uh, and um, so it, it had never occurred to me that the Democratic Party was the problem. But I started this journey of trying of challenging myself to listening to voices who I thought I would disagree with. And even this was not allowed on the left. I remember I was documenting this experience publicly of listening to walkaway rallies, listening to Ben Shapiro, My Milo Yin. Monopolis, Dave Rubin, all of these people who I was not supposed to listen to. And even just me committing the act of considering a different perspective, that was not allowed. I lost friends over that. And so my big graduation exercise was a little over a year ago now. Donald Trump was coming to Manchester, New Hampshire on the eve of the New Hampshire primary for the Democrats. This was, you know, went back when all the Democrats were running around the state campaigning. And I'd seen every single Democratic candidate in person. I went to all their big events. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, why not challenge myself to go to a Trump rally and just see for myself what's going on? And um, when I went, I was shocked on several levels. I was shocked at how nice everyone is, how welcoming everyone was, how diverse the audience is. It was not just old white men. It was incredibly diverse, even though it was in New Hampshire. And I remember sitting in my car when I was leaving and just thinking like, I have been lied to by everyone, by everyone about who these people are. They are not the deplorables that the media has portrayed them as. And I had so much cognitive dissonance about the whole situation that I remember having a really bad headache at that time because my entire worldview was just shifting. Well, the next day I voted in the New Hampshire Democratic primary. I voted for Pete Buttigieg, actually, because I am a centrist at the end of the day. And I thought that this was back before he became robot Pete. He used to be a reasonable person. He's no longer a reasonable person. Um, and uh, and then I wrote an article on the Internet about being a Democrat who attended a Donald Trump rally um, and what I experienced. And it went viral. And I left the party three days later. That's interesting. So it was such a, um, I don't know, uh, a, well, maybe say a, a quick flip. So you aligned yourself as a Democrat for such a long time. You identified that there's some Democrats out there being real assholes. And then you identified that, oh, wow, people at Trump rallies aren't actually that bad. No, to me, no, don't do that. Bad. Don't do that. That's oh, what oh. leftists do. That's what leftists do. They say, Carlin, just, you just did this because the Trump supporters were nice to you. No, this is the story that you guys tell every single time. And I'm going to try to be nice, but like, don't, don't do that. This was a months long process where every single day I was considering different opinions and I was considering different perspectives. And I didn't become a Trump supporter after that Trump rally. I simply left the Democratic Party. Now, I know a lot of yeah. Democrats don't actually understand the difference between leaving the Democratic Party and being a Trump supporter, but I wasn't a Trump supporter at that time. And in mm -hmm. fact, what a lot of Democrats don't understand is a lot, the Republican Party hates Donald Trump. A lot of Trump supporters come from, from the middle. They don't come from the hard right or the hard left. In fact, like Richard Spencer endorsed Biden in this last election because Trump wasn't racist enough for him. So like, it, it wasn't a, a quick flip. It wasn't because Trump supporters were nice to me. It, it wasn't any of that. So was, do you feel you were pushed away from the Democratic Party by terrible behavior or pulled towards, I guess, yeah, I guess you didn't really go anywhere at, at that point. You were just kind of landed in the no man's land at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was an independent. I actually just became a Republican about a week and a half ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so, no, I was an independent for a while. And I was um, my vote 
for Donald Trump originally was going to be a protest vote against the Democrats. It was like, you know, I don't like Trump, but you you have you have given me no other option because you are acting crazy. Like I've always been a centrist. I would never have classified myself as a leftist. I believe in compromise. I believe in reasonable conversations. I believe in giving up a little bit of what you want to get a little bit in return. And so my original vote for Donald Trump was going to be a protest vote, but then frankly, like once once you once you open your mind and you actually start listening to what the man was saying, I don't agree with Donald Trump on everything. And there are, there are certainly things that, you know, I, that he did that I do not like, but he also did do a lot of things that I liked. And my biggest thing um, from day one has been critical race theory. I think that critical race theory is awful. I think it is an existential threat in this country. And the fact of the matter is that the only politician fighting against it was Donald Trump. And he banned it by executive order in the federal government and in all federal government contractors. It helped a lot of people. And so that's when he earned my vote. Interesting. So you talked about you know, leaving the Democratic Party, a months-long experience of people just being terrible. Um, I, I guess, maybe give us, I don't know, a bolded list of what you saw in the Democratic Party that was so repulsive that made you say, I can't associate with that. Um, they are attacking free speech in this country. They're attacking our foundational liberties. They do not even like even supporting like the First Amendment, which was always one of my biggest things. It was one of the reasons I became a Democrat was because I thought that the right was attacking the First Amendment back in the 1990s. And now it's the left doing it. Um, the support of Black Lives Matter, the organization. I'm not talking about the average everyday people. I'm talking about the organization. It is a Marxist organization. The the organizers of it have flat out said that they're Marxist. They have they've received billions of dollars like you know billions of dollars in donations at this point they're not telling us where that money is going it's not going to help black businesses it's not going to investments in schools where's the money going um and the support this unconditional support of black lives matter is really really disturbing to me because i have been physically attacked by black lives matter my friends have been physically attacked by Black Lives Matter for committing the crime of not being a Democrat. I have friends that um, I have I have friends that went to the RNC at the White House. They were at Trump's big speech. They came out of the White House. These are gay men, and they were physically attacked by Black Lives Matter and had homophobic slurs hurled at them on the streets of Washington D.C. This is all on video. A week later, I was doing a walkaway rally. And by the way, if you want one thing that the Democrats can do to not piss us off, Democrats like to say that the walkaway movement is fake and we're all Russian bots. I assure you that we're not. I toured with walkaway for the entire back half of 2020. We are actually real people. Um, but we were doing a walkaway rally in Dallas, Texas. Black Lives Matter came and they disrupted our entire rally. They actually disrupted the speech of a black woman. They're very prone to do this, by the way. They did this into Chicago to us too, is all these white Black Lives Matter protesters came and we actually literally had more black people speaking at our rally than there were black people on the Black Lives Matter side, but they were beating their drums and drowning out black voices. Um, and then so at this rally in, in Dallas where they interrupted our rally um, later in the day, they, they literally chased a group of, of me and my friends down the street. This is all documented. It's all on video. Um, and so they're not the, the organization that people think they are. So the, the blind support for black lives matter on the Democrats is just untenable for me. Also their support of Antifa and Antifa and black lives matter are not the same thing, but this whole idea that the Democrats won't even acknowledge that Antifa is a real thing. Antifa has been trying to burn down a courthouse in Portland or 
Oregon for the last month. This is all on video. On Joe Biden's inauguration day, Antifa destroyed the Democratic Party headquarters in Portland, Oregon. The violence on the left is, I when I was in D.C., I saw Antifa marching down the middle of the street, chanting, America was never great. And all of these things are supported and condoned by the Democratic Party. No one is speaking out against them. And for me, it's just beyond the point where I can even consider supporting them at this point because of it. It's interesting. One thing that did, you know, uh, come up in the conversation that, that uh, you and Jeff Harry did uh, I don't know, a month or so ago is it did become obvious to me, and this is almost embarrassing to admit, but like I was unaware that there was like a far extreme dirty underbelly to the leftist movement, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, my news sources just kind of like move, move past that, right? You know, the only stories of like violence violent extremism and hateful actions that I hear are when people on the right stoop to that level. But hearing this made me realize, oh, so people on the left are prone to stooping to the same level of violent extremism and, you know, uh, just pity behavior, right? Yeah, people on the left are worse. It's worse. And the fact is that the media lies to you or they don't report it. There was a Trump supporter in Portland, Oregon, right before the election that was literally shot in cold blood. He was murdered in the middle of the street by Antifa. Like this is, this is, this has gone on for years. I mean, and anyone, any, and, and you guys don't even need to take my word for it because you can go on YouTube right now and watch videos of this. There, there are thousands of these videos. There are videos of people who are just live streaming these protests. So you can see completely unedited footage of people at these protests where Antifa are throwing firecrackers, explosives at people. They're, they're, they're tearing down buildings. They're burning stuff down. They're attacking people. I was in, um, I was in Washington, D.C., in November for the first mag million MAGA march that happened. And Antifa was beating up senior citizens in the middle of the street. They were beating up children. Like this is all documented for everyone to see, but the media never reports on it. And you know, you have people like Jerry Nadler who are saying Antifa is just a myth. Even Joe Biden won't even acknowledge that Antifa is a real thing. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so so my understanding of it, right, even just from a quick Google search was that, you know, Antifa is a hashtag a lot of people use when they're railing against fascism and stuff, but it's no. not actually an organization in the way that wrong. Black Lives Matter is an organization, right? Wrong, 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 wrong. Google, and don't use Google, by the way, because Google suppresses search results. What you want to do is go to DuckDuckGo, and if you want an organization, you look up Rose City Antifa, which is the Antifa chapter in Portland. It is not true that they are an idea. It is not true that they are not organized. Andy No has written an amazing book about this. Um, and, you know, people can go and read it for themselves. And Antifa's trying to get that book pulled off bookshelves because they don't like that it shows what is actually happening. So, no, none of do not use Google. Google suppresses search results. Go to DuckDuckGo and that will bring you up all the search results you need to show you that this is a real organized organization. And they are not anti-fascist. They are the fascists. They are acting as fascists. They are the ones that are beating people up for supporting a political ideology that they oppose. They're the ones that are burning books. They're the ones that are literally terrorizing major American cities, and it's not reported anywhere. It's interesting. So, you know, my, my mind hears this and says, oh, wow. So the political left has a fringe group, too. Fuck those guys. But, like, yeah. it doesn't my confidence in the general mass of the political left but to you it, it does to you there's a lot more connection between the extremists and the majority of the political left to me those are very very separate things right and i'm happy to say fuck those guys but it doesn't make me doubt my alliance oh, with people on the left 
you know, I'll be interested to see if you actually research Antifa, though, because I suspect what's going to happen is that you'll, we'll get off this call and you you won't go in down the rabbit hole and find out what Antifa is actually doing. And I don't mean that as an insult, but that's just the way this works is the left doesn't want to know what's going on. You are being lied to by the media. You're being lied to by The New York Times. You're being lied to by The Washington Post. You're being lied to by every major media outlet that you trust. And that's why it's so and I'm not saying, by the way, that the answer is to go watch Fox News or OAN or Newsmax. Those are rightly sources but the answer is to go and view the primary documentation the primary videos of people who who were at these protests just filming what's going on and until the left actually starts openly acknowledging what is going on and what actions they are condoning and they stop saying that antifa isn't real or antifa isn't organized or antifa here's something my friends have might well former friends now because they don't speak to me anymore but my former friends have actually said to me carlin antifa are just peaceful folks who like to fight fascism that's not true i have friends that have actually been attacked and physically harmed by antifa just for being who they are andy no was physically assaulted to the point of having a brain bleed by these people it is absolutely ridiculous what they're getting away with and it's in places like portland that is so overrun with antifa it's like i i cannot go to portland oregon I will get physically assaulted if I go to Portland, Oregon. And I know that going into it. And they're, the police there are doing nothing about it. It's interesting. Hmm. So um, I appreciate you bringing to our attention, right, that there is, you know, shit going down on the political left. Because you're right, you know, the news stories that we hear about all the time are just when people on the right go too far and go into extremists and do terrible things. That's all over the place. I can't think of a single major news story of someone on the left going too far, right? And going to violent extremism, but apparently it's happening. Um, it's just not covered, which is uh, irritating, concerning, and infuriating, even for me, because truthfully, while I say, oh, I'm on the left, I really just care about like basic human decency, right? <laughs> like, I don't care who's violating it. It's going to well, piss me off. Hang on to your hat so, because people on the right care about that too. People on the right care about that. They care about people. They want to lift people up. They just have different ideas about how to do it. And I'll tell you what, too. The media not only lies to you by not reporting what's going on on the left, they lie to you about what's going on on the right. I was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I was at the Capitol. I didn't know what was going on inside the building. But when I showed up at the Capitol, what I saw was a mass of at least 50,000 people on the Capitol lawn sitting there chanting, not really doing much of anything, waving their flags and chanting their chants like any other rally. What did the media do? They focused in on the one dude that's carrying the Confederate flag because I have pictures of the events. There aren't there were Confederate flags there. They're crazies at every protest, but they were like onesies and twosies in a mass of over a million people and so that's what the media is going to show you though they're going to show you the crazy people that are doing the crazy things they're not going to show you the average people the media has lied about who trump supporters are trump supporters are a very diverse group of people again like i do stuff with walkaway walkaway has a very large lgbt contingent there are lgbt trump supporters rick grinnell was appointed by donald trump to be the first openly gay member of the cabinet pete Buttigieg is trying to take credit for that now but pete Buttigieg is not the first gay member of the cabinet rick grinnell was and you know he was a very big fan of trump's and so there's a lot of people from a lot of diverse coalitions that you never hear about because the media doesn't want you to know yeah that's interesting all right so you know takeaway message so far is you know don't trust the media um which isn't necessarily new to anyone but this has kind of brought it to new levels for me in particular in the specific area of you know leftist extremism um 
leftists are just capable of extremism and shitty stuff is the right. You think it's more. I'm not, and I'm still out, jury's out on that in my mind, but I know it's possible for both sides to be terrible people. That just runs in humanity. Um, what about for more run-of-the-mill, non-Antifa, non-Marxist leftists, right? Um, let's talk about online behavior, right? All right? Let's talk about, you know, how regular, progressive, woke white people behave themselves online in the presence of opinions they disagree with. What has your experience been? And again, what's your like, I don't know, advice um, of how to do it better and what to stop um, doing? Stop calling people racist. First of all, stop changing the definitions of words because you change the definition of racism. You literally change the dictionary definition of it to be something that it's not. Listen, there, like I, I have not, I have yet to meet a single real racist on the right, and I, I am friends with people like Jack Posobiec, like I've kind of like Mike Cernovich, like people who you might think like based on the the smear pieces that the Anti Defamation League has done on them, like you might think these are people that are actual white supremacists, like they're not. They're really not. So, and if they're not, then the average everyday people on the right, they definitely aren't. They, 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 I have yet to meet a racist. So stop calling people racist. It is the first thing that is thrown out in literally every circumstance. And the fact of the matter is, is like when, when you call everything racism, then you you are losing the meaning of the word. When you call everyone a Nazi, first off, the fact that that you call everyone a Nazi, you're really pissing off the Jews. Like, because it is diminishing what their what their relatives, what their family members actually survived in the Holocaust. So stop it. Like, these people are not Nazis. They simply have different ideas than you. And it would behoove many people on the left to stop looking at these people as your enemy. Open your mind. Hear what they have to say. You might not agree with them on everything. And certainly, like, there are things that I do not agree with them on. But you're going to find a lot more reasonable people than you think. The right are simply people who want their their individual liberties protected. What they're focused on right now is the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. These are the things that they care about. They care about being able to go to church. They care about being able to say what they want to say. They care about not being canceled. Like, and, and this whole idea too, like, like I mean, I, I, am I, I am on the verge of getting banned off Facebook right now for quoting the New York Times. I quoted the New York Times on my Facebook page and they're they're absolutely going to ban me at some point. They have actually restricted my page. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll actually get a little warning that says, are you sure you want to like this? Like th this is what the, the technology companies are doing to people who do not acquiesce to the left. And it's ridiculous and it's completely unnecessary. That's a lot. I know I just ranted a little bit there. <laughs> you caught me on it's my third interview today so i'm a little fired up i apologize it's not because you're saying anything it's just because i'm fired up <laughs> no worries no so here's something that i've noticed and you know we, we can riff on a little bit mm -hmm. the, the the left seem to i would say accurately understand a lot of concepts of the importance of empathy right the importance of listening and understanding right in a lot of different situations um they understand how important that is. For example, right? They understand not nullifying the lived experiences of people of color and like listening when they tell you about their experiences, right? They understand that concept. They understand the concept of, hey, when there's someone struggling with, you know, a, a drug addiction or something like that, right? They need empathy, they need compassion, they don't need judgment and harshness, right? Um, we understand a lot of these concepts, even like the idea of restorative justice and how you deal with like felons, right? Rather than just simply laying on the punishment, it's better to give them what they need to live a better life, seeing the best in everyone. Like there's a lot of these things that the in a lot of scenarios the left identify, and I very much agree with and say, yes, that is absolutely the way human beings should be dealt with, how relationships between human beings should work. But what I've noticed is that those same rules are never applied 
to people on the right. People who are Donald Trump supporters are not deserving of the same kind of empathy, compassion, listening, understanding, second chances, whatever, right? People on the left understand that it's absolutely abhorrent for a Christian couple to ostracize and cut off their gay son because they disagree with his life choices, right? In their perspective, their life choices. They understand that's terrible for families to be torn apart over something like that. And they know the Christian right is in a terrible place for doing that. However, for some reason, they can't see that it's just as bad for parents to cut off their children for being different politically, right? Have you seen some of that double standards of applying some codes of conduct to some groups, but not applying those codes of conduct to people on the right? Oh, I'll even go one step further. Like I said, I we did a walkaway rally in Chicago before the election that had almost entirely black speakers. So you don't talk about living, listening to the lived experiences of black people. Our speaker line, I was the token white person. Me and one other dude were the token white people at this rally. And um, and what happened? Black Lives Matter showed up and literally drowned out the voices of black people. This happens all the time to to people on the right that are that that the the left would would traditionally classify as being oppressed, right? They don't listen to them. Mm -hmm. They don't listen to my friend Shamika Michelle, who is one of the most powerful black women that I've ever met in my life. They they don't want her to speak. They're drowning out her voice all the time. They don't care about her lived experience or why she left the Democratic Party. They don't care about Candace Owens. They don't care about Larry Elder or any of these other or Leo, Leo Terrell or any of these other black people that have left the Democratic Party for exactly the same reasons as I'm stating. They don't listen to them. So no, and you're absolutely right. They don't listen to to I mean, they're perfectly fine cutting off Trump supporters. The, the minute that someone finds out that I voted for Donald Trump, the very first thing I hear is that I'm a racist, I'm a terrible person, they want me to die, they want me to, like, I I get literal death threats from these people. I have had to, I was never a fan of the Second Amendment, really, like, well, I guess I really didn't care all that much, but, like, I never understood the necessity of the Second Amendment until I started getting death threats from the left for committing the crime of saying that Donald Trump supporters aren't Nazis on the internet. So, I mean, it's it's real and it's legitimate. I know, I hear from parents all the time, parents who have lost their children because they refuse to have any sort of conversation with them. I hear from people whose marriages are breaking up because one of them supports Trump and one of them doesn't. And it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And even now, Donald Trump is playing golf in Florida. Dude's not even in office. And they're still going after him. They're trying to expel Marjorie Taylor Greene from Congress right now simply because she doesn't take their crap. An elected official, elected by the people of Georgia, they're trying to expel her because they they are that offended by anyone that does not toe the line. And I'll tell you what, too. It's... it's I. It, this whole idea of like the left understands the lived experiences and ha they're the ones with the empathy. It is simply, it is, it is absolutely ridiculous. First of all, uh, my dissertation was based on the, on lived experiences. I actually studied lived experiences and the way the left takes these terms and they throw them around, like they mean something that they don't. One person's experience is not a full, uh, is not a full view of the lived experiences of everyone. And so they need, like, I think what the left does is they look for people that say the things they want them to say. They use the words they want them to use. They bend the knee to whatever ideology they want them to bend the knee to. They lift those people up. They put them on a pedestal. Yes, these are the people who we need to listen to. And then they ignore everyone else. There are many people in many oppressed groups that have been actively ignored by the left for years because they don't agree with them. Something else I want to touch on while we're here. Um, this is something that, you know, within your group, you almost never can see. And it almost always has to be someone outside the group to point it out. Can you point out any inconsistencies, either inconsistencies 
between like doctrines that don't match or even just inconsistencies between like action and stated belief that you see on the left. Oh, the left cares about black people, but the left doesn't like didn't like Donald Trump's platinum plan. He didn't. The le Oh, here's 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 one of the big ones. And this was again, this was before this was actually before I went to the Trump rally. This was um, before I even like was thinking about voting for Trump. Trump gave a State of the Union um, last year. And I actually thought the State of the Union was a really good speech, at least the last one that he did. Um, and one of the reasons that I liked it is he talked about the lowest African-American unemployment rate in history. That happened under Donald Trump. Lowest African-American unemployment rate in history. Lowest Latino unemployment rate in history. Lowest unemployment rate for women's and, and uh, young professionals in 50 years. Wages were going up across the board. Literally every single community that the, that the left wants to pretend that Donald Trump was trying to keep down, their wages were going up. They had more options for jobs than ever. Donald Trump was talking about this in his State of the Union. And so I tweeted out at the time, I was like, I, I, I like low unemployment. I think low unemployment is a good thing. I think it's a positive thing. And I think it's positive for everyone. And immediately I was jumped on by all these leftists on Twitter who were like, no, Carlin, having a job is the same as slavery. Now, as an organizational psychologist, I work with a lot of HR people. And so a lot of the people that were jumping on me and saying, no, how dare you say anything nice about Donald Trump and his low unemployment? They immediately like they were like having a job is like slavery. I'm like, you work in human resources. Your literal job title is a recruiter. Like, what does that make you? If having a job is slavery, then you are literally a member of the slave trade. You hate Donald Trump so much that everything he does is bad and wrong. And it's ridiculous. Here's another inconsistency. So Donald Trump was the president that uh, that enacted permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities. The presidents of historically black colleges and universities used to have to go to Washington, D.C. every two years to plead for their federal funding to be renewed for another couple of years. Donald Trump heard about this and was like, why are you coming back every two years? Like, it's like it's done, done, extend. I think he did it for like 10 years. And so they don't have to come back every two years um, and basically put in place um, uh, methods to make that funding permanent. Like that's, that's something that he did. Does he get any credit for it? No. You want to talk about, you know, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, back in the day, back in the nineties, the big thing was like peace in the middle East. We want peace in the middle East, right? That was considered to be a good thing. I, I at least thought it was a good thing. Guess what? Donald Trump did that. He did that. He signed several historic peace deals that no one ever thought would be possible, not reported at all, and no one wants to celebrate it. So I think there are many inconsistencies. Here's another inconsistency. You want to talk about like the left used to be, um, I remember protesting the Iraq war on the Boston Common when I was in college in the early 2000s because I didn't think we should have gone to war then. Guess what? Donald Trump was the one who's actually finally drawing down our troops in the Middle East and was the first president in 40 years in 40 years, not to start any new wars. Like I am a fan of not, of not being in war. I'm a fan of peace. Like what, like when did the left abandon that particular value? And I can go on and on and on with the consistent, with the like absolute inconsistencies between what the left says and what they actually end up supporting. And most of the time it's because they're not listening. They're not paying attention. And because the media is lying to them. Yeah, it's interesting. You brought some of those things up when talking with Jeff and, and some are, are new to me even today. And I just find myself thinking like, well, why, why, why wasn't I told that? Like, personally, I don't think that'll still change my stance on Donald Trump too much, right? I'm still against him, even if maybe it's softened up a bit. But I would like to be 
treated as an adult who's capable of making my own decisions about Trump. Thank you very much, media. It's okay. It's safe to tell me both sides of Trump and let me make my own choice. Where it does seem like my opinion of him was very much guided in one direction because someone was afraid that if they shared both sides of the story, then Trump might get some support and like, oh, we couldn't have that, right? And it, it, it is just anger me. Like, let me make up my own damn mind. Go ahead and tell me the good things he does and the bad things he does, and I'll decide for myself, please. And it's, it, I think this does bring up that that's not what's happening, right? <laughs> that's not what's happening at all. And and I want to be really clear. Like, I I don't care if people support Donald Trump. I'm not trying to make the case for Donald Trump. But what I am trying to do is is get people to see that maybe haven't considered that you're not being told the truth. Like, I'm not pissed off necessarily at most people on the left because they're being lied to. I consider them to be victims of the media just like I was. I had MSNBC on in my house constantly before all this. I believed every word that came out of Rachel Maddow's mouth. And she is a liar. And like when you go back and you compare that with with what is actually happening, again, based on primary sources, I'm not arguing go watch Fox News, although Tucker Carlson is right more than he's wrong. Um, I'm not arguing to go watch OAN or Newsmax or any of these things. Just go look at the direct video of what is happening. Go to these events yourself. Like one of the reasons I went to, to DC on January 6th wasn't it wasn't because I thought that anything was going to be changed. It was because I knew that the media was going to completely misreport what happened. And I wanted to be there for myself to actually see it in person because that is the only way that I trust it anymore is to see for myself what's going on. So I don't think that people need to I, I understand why people don't support Trump. I totally get it. And I don't think you're a bad person necessarily for not supporting Trump. I just most of the time think you probably don't understand the full breadth of of what he did and what he accomplished because you simply haven't like been exposed to it. Yeah. What about people? What about people who have someone in their life who sees things very, very differently from them politically? And for the purpose of this conversation, let's just say it's someone like me who's a leftist who has someone in their life who's, you know, on the right. And some aspects of what that person on the right believes, at least from my perspective, are dead wrong. And I want to help them out of that worldview and help them see the light, right? I want to help open their eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, first off, let's talk a little bit about how the people on the left usually go about doing that. And let's maybe talk about a better way to do that, right? Because typically, right, as you, as you mentioned, when people on the left see someone who disagree with them, they pretty much immediately come up with this theory about, oh, you are ignorant, right? You don't know what you're talking about. You are hateful, you're bigoted. If it's a race issue, then you are racist, right? If it's something like, you know, uh, you know, finance or tax code or, or economics, then it's just a matter of, oh, you're just, you just don't understand, right? You're just going with what your parents told you when you were raised back in 1980 and you haven't thought for yourself since then. And what's interesting is that for a lot of people on the left, myself included, we were raised in a fairly right-wing progressive sort of manner. And our default reaction to life was to take a fairly conservative stance. And then when we've educated ourselves and when we've taken the time to do further research, we've kind of moved left, which if that's been your experience, leaves you to assume that everyone who disagrees with you just hasn't taken the time to educate themselves, and that's why they're wrong. But it tends to take a very a form of very, a lot of a lot of like insults being thrown around, right? Um, what would you add to that as far as the way it typically goes down? And then again, what's the better way? Yeah, I mean, first I would say when you say educate yourself, I think you're you're talking about reading a very specific type of book or literature that usually tends to lean very far left. So when I say when when you're saying educating yourself, I don't really think you mean the full breadth. Of, of the research, I think you mean a very specific portion of it, usually the stuff that's taught in college and college professors are 95% leaning to the left at this point, like right wing people can't even survive at colleges, a lot of them are afraid of speaking up. So um, I would start and we talked about this before we went on the air.
there, if you really want to educate yourself, you start with a book like The Righteous Mind, which um, which will show you exactly how people on the left and people on the right think. It's it's written by a psychologist out of NYU. His name is Jonathan Haidt, and he will he will show you exactly what's going on. But if you want to talk about having conversations with people on the left, stop assuming that or excuse me with people on the right um stop assuming they're stupid stop assuming they're racist stop assuming they haven't educated themselves because to to be quite frank um uh, the people I know on the right, one of the things that really surprised me when I was leaving the Democratic Party is how much, frankly, smarter and more well-read and more in tune with culture the people on the right were than the left. Because here's the thing, and, and Haidt talks about this in his book, left-wing people tend to only consume media from left-wing sources. So you're watching MSNBC, you're reading the New York Times, you're reading the Washington Post, you're reading all these things that are that have a decided left wing slant and that's where you're getting your media from even the authors that you read like if you read like kendi and robin d'angelo oh my god lord help you because then they're going to convince you you're racist on top of it which is completely untrue there's no research to back up either of those two people but you don't have access to it because that's what you're using to educate yourself right so you're using left wing sources what the right does is they read more they read the right wing sources they watch their fox news they watch their oans they do all that but they are much more inclined to also consume left-wing content. They understand what the left is thinking. And what Jonathan Haidt actually found is that people on the right can predict the, the positions of people on the left. People on the left cannot predict the positions of people on the right. They can't do it. They don't understand it. And so, I mean, don't don't assume these people are uneducated. They've read different things than you. They have different perspectives than you. But they are they they have a they have a, a perfectly fine platform to stand on. The goal should be when you're talking with people on the right. First of all, don't try to convince them. They're going to know what you're doing. They they've been down this road before, and and you're not going to get anywhere. The minute that they think that you're trying to convince them of something or you're trying to change their mind is the minute that you end the conversation. You might as well just call them a racist and call it a day because they're not going to listen to what you have to say, right? But listen to their perspective, understand their perspective. Make try to understand the things that they really care about. And most of the time, what you're going to find is that they don't want their individual liberties infringed upon. That is the core of what people on the right care about. They just want to be able to live their lives and do what they want to do and not get canceled on social media just for voting a certain way. I mean, a lot of them are very, very concerned about being persecuted in this country. A lot of them you know, one of the reasons I think January 6th happened is that we had a group of people that for five years, for five years, was told that they were bad, horrible, racist people. They had the media calling them names every single day. They have everyone on the left calling them names all the time. Their their relationships with their families are dissolving. They're 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 afraid of losing their jobs. If they speak up and say what they think, or even even if they wore that MAGA hat in public, they were afraid of losing their job. And, you know, this can only this type of emotional abuse. And I do think it's emotional abuse that came from the left towards the right. It can only take it. It's only tenable for so long before something explodes. Right. That's, I think, one of the things that we saw on January 6th. And so you've got to stop. Stop with the name calling. Stop with the bullying. Stop with calling anyone who disagrees with you a horrible name. Stop with the demonization. Stop with the canceling. I cannot tell you how many times people have tried to cancel my psychology license. Now, I'm lucky. I'm an organizational psychologist. I don't need a license. But I can't tell you how many times people have, have tried to cancel me. And, and they've actually been very successful simply because I disagree with them. You have to stop. 
You have to start listening and really come from a place of trying to understand. You don't need to agree with someone's perspective in order to understand where they're coming from. So I, I like what you said there about, you know, the what happened with the Capitol. Um, because this has been a thought's been kicking around in my head. And, you know, I'll share my perspective on it. Obviously, the way I'm looking at it isn't the way you'd look at it, but I think we may have some alignment here. So it was always a little bit mysterious to me why people on the right supported Donald Trump, considering he, you know, so violated a lot of things they held to, particularly the religious right in particular, right? There are a lot of things Donald Trump does to that a Christian should be totally appalled by, but they didn't care. So I, I asked myself the question, where did this blind loyalty come from, right? Where did this total willingness to just like overlook anything bad and only focus on the good come from? And part of the answer I came to was in kind of that emotional abuse piece you talked about for so long, you said five years, but of course, you know, it's really been a trend for the last, you know, I don't know, at least 30 years, right? Of the world moving more left, where these people are consistently told they're terrible, they're awful, they're racist, they're the worst, they're getting canceled, they're afraid for their, you know, et cetera. And then somebody comes along, somebody like Trump, and he says all the things they've been wanting to hear. And he says they're good people and they're angry people and they should be listened to. And he says all those things that they've been dying to hear from someone in power for so long. And they're just attracted to him, right? And magnetized to him to the point of loyalty where they don't care if he does bad things too. The fact is he's putting a salve on an emotional wound that's been festering for 30 years. They're willing to give him loyalty and keep loyalty. So my thought is, and again, this is where we're going to separate a little bit here. But my thought is dangerous people like Donald Trump, or let's put it this way, dangerous people like what Donald Trump was portrayed as, God knows what he's actually like, but dangerous people like what Donald Trump's portrayed as will continue to come along from time to time, right? They've always been there throughout human history. People like that come along. What separates the ones who become Adolf Hitler and wreck the world and the ones who just kind of fizzle out as a local politician and go nowhere is the amount of grassroots support they get. In a similar way to how in nature, lightning strikes are common. They're always present. What separates a small little brush fire from a total forest fire that wipes out a whole state is the amount of like dead wood just laying around waiting. Mm -hmm. So similarly, I think when there's this sentiment in a group of the population of being kicked and spurned and suffering emotional abuse for a long time, and then this leader comes along speaking their language, then suddenly people are willing to flock to them and they really take off. You, you know, I, I learned that a lot of what led to, you know, Hitler's rise in Germany was the fact that a lot of German men were struggling with a terrible economy, right? And they couldn't provide for their families and they were feeling, you know, powerless and emasculated and frustrated and they were very prone to hear Hitler's message. So my perspective is if people on the left keep treating people on the right so terribly, we are creating an environment where someone on the far right who is as bad as Donald Trump or worse could very easily get a foothold and bad things could happen in this country. Where if we treat people on the right better, We'll always have our disagreements, but there won't be as many people who are just fodder for extremism. Any no. of that line up with your perspective, either no. for the left or the right or anything? No, I, I, I think you fundamentally don't understand why people support Donald Trump. And if Hitler ever does rise in this country, it's going to come from the left. It's not going to come from the right. The, right. the left are the ones burning books right now. The left are the ones canceling people for ideas. The left are the ones that are very literally trying to pass laws saying you can think this, you can't think that. And if you think this, then we're just going to ban you off of social media. That's all coming from the left and coming from the right. People supported Donald Trump because he was not an establishment politician because for for they had they thought that they because here's what you need to understand 
first of all, not all Christians are MAGA supporters, right? Not all, like there are, there are distinct groups on the right. You do have the fundamentalist Christians. The fundamentalist Christians are a very, very small part of the overall right. You have Republicans and most of those are like establishment Republicans. They're only interested in power. Mitch McConnell hates Donald Trump. Liz Cheney hates Donald Trump. Mitt Romney hates Donald Trump. They all hate him, right? And people who support them tend not to support Adam Kinzinger hates Donald Trump. And that's, that's like the Republicans. And then you have the MAGA movement and the MAGA movement is a really uh, a broad tent of like a lot of different types of people you've got a lot of classical liberals in there i do consider myself a liberal still i'm not giving up that moniker because liberal means liberty and there are a lot of people like me that support him and you have people that frankly were tired of business as usual that is why donald trump garnered support and I, i to be really frank um like and i talked about this in my conversation with jeff i believe that the populism on the left and who I do actually tend to agree, like the people like Jimmy Dores, I do agree with a lot of what Jimmy Dore says. Populism on the left would benefit greatly from aligning with populism on the right. And that's what Donald Trump is. He is a populist figure. He's not Hitler. He has no resemblance to Hitler. We need to stop making that comparison because it just doesn't hold water at all when you look at the actual facts. And if populist left and populist right could find their way around getting over like their hatred of like Donald Trump for a second and moving forward together. The fact of the matter is we do have a common enemy and it ain't Trump. It's the establishment in Washington, DC, the Republican party and the democratic party are exactly the same. The people that have been there forever, the people that are currently controlling both parties, they are exactly the same. Trump supporters do not like the establishment Republican party any more than they like the democratic party. They're not a fan of either. And so, again, I, I really have to just strongly push back on, on many of the reasons that you said that people support Trump. People do not have blind loyalty for Donald Trump. That's just simply not true. They like him because he's a fighter. He was fighting back against the establishment and they saw how much the establishment hated him. That was part of the appeal. And they also liked his policies. I mean, someone can be a Christian and disagree with some of Donald Trump's behavior, like sleeping with a porn star when he's married and his wife is pregnant, right? They can disagree with that behavior, but then they say, okay, unemployment is at a record low. Like I, I I have a job. I'm making a lot of money. The country seems to be doing pretty well. We're getting peace deals. We're not going to war. Joe Biden, by the way, within a month of being in office is now bombing Syria again. I don't know how the Democrats are wrapping their heads around Joe Biden, literally bombing brown people again for no good reason. But hey, um, so I think that, again, people need to understand exactly they, they need to be more in touch with what is actually going on in culture, because if if the left continues just to continue, again, Donald Trump is playing golf in Florida right now. Like the fact that the left is continuing to demonize him two months after he left office when he has no power at all. It just shows, frankly, how out of touch people are with what is actually going on and what is actually important. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on here. We've got a few more minutes. Um, any final thoughts? Again, if someone is on the left and wants to do better, right? What are some things they should stop doing, something they should start doing? I think that the very first thing that people should do is to do exactly what I did. And I've been down this road and I understand it's not the easiest thing to do, but go onto YouTube where you have a wealth of free information and purposefully watch videos of people who you think you are going to disagree with, of people who you think you are going to hate, of people who you think are Satan. Go watch Ben Shapiro. Go watch Milo Yiannopoulos, who, by the way, Milo Yiannopoulos is actually really funny and like a really like interesting character. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's funny. So go, go watch his old stuff. Go watch Andrew Breitbart before he died. 
Go watch Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin has amazing conversations. Go watch full episodes of Joe Rogan with people that, well, he's not on YouTube anymore, but Spotify. Like, go watch these things and really challenge yourself, even if you disagree with it, to sit through it and consider what they're saying and keep doing it over and over and over again. And this is not about changing your perspective. It's about understanding where the other side is coming from. And I promise you, like, if you do this, you're going to find so much more peace, to be honest. Because you're going to realize that half of the country is not racist. They're not bad people. They're not your enemy. And there is an actual enemy in this country. And it's the establishment politicians and the establishment media that are just trying to control us all day, every day. That is the actual enemy. And that is who we should all be fighting, regardless of if you're on the left or if you're on the right. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having this talk with me. Like I said, yeah. you know, agree or disagree. Um, I think everyone listening to this hopefully had an, uh, a widening of their perspective, because I do think we're being fed a too simplistic view of, a view of the world, you know, and there's a lot more to it. Um, so thanks so much for coming and shining a little light on that. Well, thank you for having me and for being open to the conversation. And again, I know I was getting a little fiery there. It wasn't directed at you. It was just my frustration with the greater situation. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I know how that is. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thank you.